Welcome to another episode of the Grove Podcast. My name is Gerald Malloy. I'm your host for today. And today we have John Stegmerton, who is our worship pastor at our Harris campus of Hickory Grove Baptist Church. John, mm. it's good to see you, man. Glad man, you're here It's so today. good to be here. Yeah, it's good. an honor. Good. Man, let's just jump right in. Let me know about your family. Let people know kind of who you are, um, where you're from, all that stuff. Let's just talk family now. All right. I'm John Stegmerton, as you said. Appreciate that. So uh, my wife, uh, Whitney, she and I met here at Hickory Grove, married uh, in 2010. In uh, 2016, we had our daughter, Sloan. She just turned three. She still doesn't like me. Sloan still doesn't like me very much, does she? She's warmed up to you, though. Uh, like, now it's just dislike. It used to be hate. <laughs> now it's just dislike. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. She's awesome, though. Yeah, she is awesome. Except for that one little flaw. Right, right, right. We'll work on that. Yeah. Train up a child. Yeah. Uh, and then we have an eight-week-old. Is he eight weeks old? It's hard with in week, you know? Gibson, he was born in September. Yeah, so. you know, okay, so I had a conversation with someone else about this, about how the younger generation likes to talk about the age of their kids in months or weeks or whatever. Like I would say my generation, because, John, I'm just – I'm just you are older than me. Well, you're at the top of your generation, and I'm at the bottom of mine. So we're really close, mm. but I'm still a different generation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but we used to just say like yeah, this child's like a year old or whatever, but your generation But I think like once that. you get to a year, that's when you can lose the months. Right. But what, even, do you, what do you call a 9-month-old nine, if you're not using months? Year old. <laughs> <laughs> They've been in here about a year. It doesn't make any sense. It makes perfect sense, John. Perfect yeah. sense. Anyway. Anyway, that's my yeah. family. There you go. There you Whitney, go. Sloan, Gibson. Now, Whitney is from Charlotte, kind of born and raised. She is. Okay. One of the one of the few. Now, they call, uh, what do they call it, like a unicorn? Unicorn. There you go, So yep. because you don't see very many people. She's from Charlotte, and her parents are both from Charlotte. Oh, wow. So, her roots are deep. There you go. Good. Now, she's a little bit younger than you, is that right? Mm-hmm. Four years. Four years younger, John. Yep. <clears throat> Still same generation, there. though, at least. Well, I guess, I, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. But now you're not from Charlotte. You're from? Baltimore. Baltimore. Let's talk about Baltimore. What about mm. that? What do you want to talk about? Well. Crabs? Football? Let's, let's talk football, John. Now, you have had crab cakes in Baltimore. I've had crab cakes. What was the name of the place? G&M. G&M. They should be like a sponsor. Which podcast. is perfect because that's my initials, G and M. I did not put that together until that's just now. That's why I wanted to eat there. So it's a little, little weird, but whatever. But those were good crab cakes. So I've had crab, cakes, awesome like crab at, cakes uh like at places around here. No. But it's not, we're too it far inland. It doesn't even count. We're too far inland. And south. And south, that's <laughs> right. But those crab cakes were good. They were awesome. Really good. So I, I am uh, glad that I was able to experience that. But... So, Baltimore, you're a huge Ravens fan. Mm. Man, what a year to be a Ravens fan, too. This is a good year. Lamar Oof. Jackson is killing it. He's killing it right now. I have him. He's, he's my fantasy football quarterback. Mm. Uh, That's a good call right there. You're aware of that because somehow I'm in second place right behind you mm. in first place. Right. I mean, right behind two games. But, you know, yeah. Right behind. You are. In the standings, you're one, I'm two, John. <laughs> right behind. Right behind. Anyway, so... Um, but now you are also a Panthers fan. Is that right? I mean, because 
Well, I cheer for the Panthers. Yeah. You, okay. I cheer for the Panthers. Do they ever play each other? They do, about once every four years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a Panthers fan because I'm from Atlanta. Mm. I don't think that's always been the case. Though. So I pull for the Dirty Birds. I'm a Falcons fan. That was fan. pretty dramatic, but when you unzip, you can really just see like, <laughs> you still can't really read it. That's all. Falcons. I like the Falcons, but I, I like the Falcons when they're winning. So I'm like any other fan in the Atlanta area. We like mm. our teams when we're winning. If we're not winning, man, we don't like our teams. Hey, Panthers so. fans are like that too, though. Yeah. I'm not saying all Panthers fans, but right. a lot of Panthers fans are fair weather fans. You know, all over social media, all I ever see are people who just hate on the Panthers. So, um, that's crazy. Actually, you know what? Here's my connection to the Panthers. Um, I was at a basketball game recently at Hickory Grove, and Steve Smith was sitting behind me. Like, right behind me. I had no idea. So, you mean like physical connection? Like, did you... Tap into him like or something? I, I brushed up against him, I think. Hmm. I think. I was My hands were sweaty. I was so nervous because it was him. I didn't want to shake his hand and be like, oh, that guy's hands were so clammy. I like so how I, he always wears his flat bill like with the with the bill like way up here like and this. And you would recognize him for that. Mm-hmm. He had that flat bill on, <laughs> and I still didn't recognize him. I wonder if it's just only one flat bill that he wears. No, I'm sure that's his, that's his thing. That's his thing. It's got to be. He's awesome. I like a flat bill. He's awesome because he played for the Panthers and, and the, the Ravens. Ravens. And the Ravens. So I wanted to look at him and say, hey, Steve, I wish you were playing for the Ravens now so Lamar could get more fantasy points throwing the ball to you. Mm. But I thought that would be weird. So I was like, I just won't say anything. Or I was afraid I would go, hey, Steve, blah, and say something really weird. So I just left it alone. <clears throat> I just left it alone, John. It's probably That's a good it. idea. So anyway, I'll, I'll start pulling for the Panthers, I'm sure, one day. You know what's got to happen for me to pull for the Panthers. Don't don't say it. They have to start winning again. Well, that and the other thing, but don't say it because it, it might cause some might cause some problems. Don't say it, John. Okay, so John, let's talk about school. So you um you went to Liberty, mm. Liberty University, and you were a part of you were on like some of their traveling ministry teams where you did a lot of music and stuff like that. Tell me about that. Was that fun? It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, got to travel. Pretty much every weekend during school, and for a couple weeks before the semester would start, we'd travel over like Christmas break. Our Christmas break would be you know half as long as everybody else. We'd travel over spring break. We'd travel at the end of school. Um, so it was a lot, but it was a lot of fun. Made some friends that I'm still friends with. It's cool to see people you know that are in ministry you know all over the country, sure. different places. Yeah. And, and so y'all would pretty much go and lead worship churches. All, I mean, y'all are all over the country. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. We went. Uh, we traveled to uh, Brazil uh, oh, and wow. Puerto Rico okay. too. Okay. Now that's a lot different from the schooling you received, like in um, like high school, for instance. Why you, are you smiling, Gerald? Well, because you didn't travel much. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like from upstairs to downstairs? Right. Like you didn't even travel down the driveway. <laughs> you. <laughs> Let's talk about homeschool, John. You were homeschooled. Oh, yeah, I was homeschooled, which is so. What? Awesome. Okay. I have to say this. When I was in high school, middle school, grade school, whatever, I didn't know anyone that was homeschooled. Um, Maybe later on in high school, I I maybe knew a kid from church who was homeschooled or whatever. Because you would have known. You would have recognized. Back then you would have known. And actually, that's how I knew. 
because I, you know, I saw the kid sitting by himself in the corner, kind of just talking to himself, you know, like <laughs> he had made up some friends and brought them to church. You know, it was like high attendance Sunday and he brought his imaginary friends. But that was kind of the vibe of homeschool kids a long time ago. Like mm-hmm. they, they struggled socially, you know, whatever. And uh, it was just weird. Um, but now like homeschool now is actually, is actually pretty awesome. Like, my kids are always like, Dad, can we homeschool? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not teaching you anything at the house. But, you know, you could take them uh, to the co-ops and all kinds of stuff. There's even, like, athletics. There's all kinds of stuff for homeschoolers, which is which is pretty cool. But, like, did you do any, like, athletics? Dude, what are you smiling, Gerald? Because <laughs> I, just, I just imagine you just churning butter, like, at the house all the time. That's what you always like to say. Homeschool for you equals Butter churning. Yeah, and like making jean jumpers and stuff like that. That's what I, you know, like making They're shoes called culottes. out of like plastic bottles or something. I just imagine, that's just what I imagine when I think what your homeschool is. Well, you know, the funny is thing like. is, though, you're talking about homeschool now. Right. But, I mean, it's not really fair to say that I experienced homeschooling as it is now. Right. Either. Yeah. I mean, I'm 36 years old. Yeah. So I was homeschooled a while ago. Yeah. Long time ago, huh? Long time. It's crazy. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I, I played I played sports, played a lot of soccer. That was kind of my favorite thing. Yeah. But yeah, it was fun. No butter churning. You never churned butter? Never churned butter. You know, my family went to a uh we went camping one time and there was it was like a state park area somewhere down in South Carolina. And they had like um like an area where you can go and do things like play games that kids long time ago would have played. Okay. And one of the games was somehow like milking a cow and trying to get all the milk to go in a bottle or something like that, you know, and literally un- unprompted. Josie goes over there. and was like, dad, take a video of me and send it to send it to pastor John. <laughs> it was so funny, man. So funny. So she felt like all you did was milk cows See, you know, see, that's what you're telling your kids about me, man. No, I didn't tell it. Okay, may, maybe I did. Maybe I did. <laughs> but it's just fun. It's just fun to talk about stuff like that. Anyway, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Let's talk about your current role at Hickory Grove. Tell me, um, give me a quick snapshot of what you do, the places you lead, all all this stuff like that at our Harris campus. Mm-hmm. I always want to say Harris Creek, but well, it's just Harris. Because that name is catching on. Harris Creek is catching on. Ever since we introduced it last summer, it's caught on like. Like it wildfire. Has, it has caught on. Well, we, we do a lot of leading together. We lead worship a lot together. So we lead worship um, any sort of uh, joint service or anything like that. We lead together um, camps. We're now D-Nows. We lead together for our students and uh, chapel services for our Christian school. We lead a lot together. So, yep. yeah, so we, we do a lot. So Harris, Mallard Creek, Harris Creek. I like it. That's good. So let's talk about Harris, all the stuff you do there. Yeah, so I've been um, been at Hickory Grove for 12 years, but uh, only really been in this role, I guess, uh, since 2010, Okay, which is still a long time. It is a long time. Because this is the year 2019. That's right. Um, that's good math. That's, that's homeschool math. You know? <laughs> Before Common Core, that's... <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm the worship pastor there, and uh, I oversee all of our worship ministry, which is uh, a choir, there's an orchestra, I uh, oversee student worship, 
and also our children's choir and oversee our uh, technical production ministry. Mm. That's good. Well. That's good. Now, <clears throat> here's a weird connection that we have. So before you came to Hickory Grove, is that right? Was it before you came to Hickory Grove? So I was on staff at a church in Florida, South Florida, and your name came up in a meeting. Because, you know, Steg Merton, you, you don't forget that. So I remember we were looking for a piano player slash worship leader slash kind of a catch-all in the worship area, and your name kept coming up. And I even think we even tried to phone interview you or something or whatever. So that was kind of cool, like me hearing your name then at a different church for a, a job down there and then coming here, and then you're here. You were here before I was here, so coming here and, then, and hearing your name. I remember the first time I heard your name, I was like, but I know that. I know that name because there's only yeah. – there's not many of y'all. No. Well, there's probably a lot. That is such a strange connection. But, yeah. Yeah, that is a weird connection. That's, that's that's a weird deal. So let's talk about let's talk about worship ministry. So we pretty much do the same thing in our our perspective or respective. You do it there, I do it here. That's what we do. <laughs> um, let's talk about some of the change in the worship ministry since you've been here, since you and I've been here. Because I mean, a whole lot has changed um, at the Harris campus and at the Mallory Creek campus styles of worship and kind of what we're trying to do. Won't you address some of that from the Harris side? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there have been a lot of big changes, but, you know, our our church has changed a lot just as a whole, yeah. uh, both campuses and in a lot of different ways. And so I think a lot of the changes that you see from a worship perspective are really just, you know, an outflow of how our church is changing talk about you know, different ministry philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the things, and, and this is one of the things that you and I you know, both try to do, is, is we want the, the corporate worship experience to be participatory. We want it to be uh, congregational. Mm-hmm. And so um, maybe we don't do as many uh, sort of like featured things or maybe uh, instrumental things that might, we might have done in the past. Uh, just because we want we want that time to be a time for people to to sing to the Lord, mm-hmm. um, so that's been one of the changes. Um, even just like visually on the stage, you know, our stage has changed mm-hmm. a whole lot. I mean, you're looking at some of that old like footage; it's crazy. Yes, it is. How much different just even the stage looks. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So a lot a lot has changed, but I think it, those are not really just just changes that I've wanted to make, but really just changes that, that the churches mm-hmm. has made. Yeah, I, I remember when I first got here, you know, we were, we were called North Campus at the time. So I remember coming to North Campus, and there were times where I would lead worship, and I would just choke on the stage because we had so much fog that we would just pump out. And, like, like in between songs, you can hear it. Like all this fog just pouring out, uh-huh. you know, and uh, we had the lights and the this and the that, and, you know, we just kind of come to realize that that stuff, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. You know, we're singing to the Lord. We don't need, you know, all this stuff or whatever. So the, the, the production, I think, of everything, I feel like has kind of come back a little bit. So, it, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I like it much better that we can really focus our attention on the lyrics that we're singing that we make and make it to where it's uh, it's good for our people to sing and to to sing out, to sing strong and mm-hmm. sing to the Lord. That, that's that's what that's what yeah, we want. Sure. Um, let's talk about some of your 
your music influences? Like, who who do you like to listen to? Um, mainly, you know, I guess in a, in a in the Christian realm, the praise and worship realm specifically. Who who are some people you like to listen to? Mm. <clears throat> well, if we could go way back, because you got to talk about some of your earliest influences, right? Like, like who? Oh, I thought you had some. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, well, you mean like Tomlin, like he's almost like kind of the granddad. Well, well no, not really. Maybe the father, but there's probably some granddaddies before him. Like The first Christian album that I ever got, it was a CD, actually, uh, was Stephen Curtis Chapman. Oh, okay. Okay, that's that's way back. That's way back. That's way back. But, and, um, you know, I don't listen to uh, much of his new stuff. Mm-hmm. But honestly, he has he has been just a really big influence. Sure. I think on my life, my desire to do something with music, I think I was always impressed with his talent uh, for like playing guitar. Mm. You know, because you especially like growing up listening to worship music, especially at that time, mm-hmm. like there was nothing musically interesting about stuff. You know, sure. it was the same like four chords. Uh, just arranged in a different way. Mm-hmm. So Stephen Curtis Chapman kind of brought this musical aspect to Christian music for mm-hmm. me. So he, I know there are other people who did it, but for me, he was like the first one where I was like, okay, so you can be like a good musician and still serve the Lord with Christian music. Right. And for somebody who's been doing it for as long as he has, uh, he's never wavered. I mean, yeah. like he yeah. is who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, his songs are just as solid as they always have been. Mm-hmm. So I think that's cool. Um, now, uh, man, I, I listen to so many different people and we don't always agree on the same people. Well, <clears throat> you're right about that. You're right about that. We don't agree, but I mean, it's okay. I, I, Why I is like, that, Gerald? well, I like people. I like a vocalist. Okay. So when I was in college, I was a vocal performance major, and so I'm singing my, like operas and stuff. Well, my emphasis was uh, in opera. Like I, I really wanted to do that. I love. Sometimes it. when you sound check, you still throw a little. Every now and then, I'll throw that out there, John. Um, you need to let the people hear that. I really wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> but every now and then, I'll throw that out there just for fun. It's just for fun, and that's it. But um, yeah, I, I like to hear a good vocalist, like. Vocals to me make everything. If it's if it's pleasant to listen to, like if someone's singing, and they and they do some really good things vocally, I, I, and I make the face of mm mm mm, stank face. Like, I like that. Mm. I like that. So the music side for me, it's like the vocals are leading everything, and the music just kind of helps it go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the vocals got to be. And I think for me, it's the opposite. Yeah, which is probably why we we think differently about yeah. Some artists, and yeah. Like you're moved by like the music. It's it's mm-hmm. good. I, I'm like, yeah, but the guy singing, mm-hmm. if he's not any good, I I, I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's jump back in with some of your uh, your the stuff you're listening to now. Some of the influences you have music musically. So, I like uh, Sandra McCracken. What you got to say, Gerald? She's she's good. I mean, lyrics are solid. Uh, music is. Uh, how how would you? She's kind of folksy, maybe mm-hmm. like indie indie folk. Kind yeah. Of? yeah, yeah. Do I look like an indie folk kind of guy? No, no. That answer is no, John. <laughs> no. 
She's wasn't a, really sure what you were though. wanting from me. She is good, though. Yeah, she's good. Um, I like listening to the Sovereign Grace stuff. Sovereign Grace is solid. I like Sovereign Grace. Some of yours, some of mine. Well, you know, I I like to. Uh, oftentimes, I'll listen to. Um, I like a lot of Phil Wickham. Um, he has an unusual voice that I think is really uh, good. So mm-hmm. I want to listen to. Um, I like Phil a lot. Um, I like a guy named Chris McClarney. Mm. His voice Love is Chris McClarney. Uh, really, really good. So good. Yep, really good vocals. Um, so I like I like guys like that. I like the guitar guitar leading worship leader guys, you know, since that's kind of a little bit more closely to what what I what I um do. I wish I could play the piano, but I'm I'm actually I'm actually terrible at it. Hmm. So I can play Chariots of Fire and I can make it sound like I'm actually pretty decent. But um very quickly people will realize, "Oh no, he's he's not any good." We should we should have a switch one night. We've talked about this, but you're actually good on guitar. I'm not good at the. You're guitar. good. I'm not good. I at almost said gooder. You're better on guitar than I am on piano. That's that's for sure. That may be true. But it, it's, gee, it's not thankfully, maybe. you it's, haven't set the bar very high. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. <clears throat> so. Yeah, we should switch one one day, but it it would be a terrible service. At least the the music portion of it would be pretty bad. It would be awful. Yeah, but I I could play the harmonica. Actually, like just one song on the harmonica. Actually, I think most instruments it's like, oh, he can actually play this, and then they realize very quickly, no, nah, he's a one trick. About owner. drums, you like to play drums too. I do like to play the drums, but I think it's only because I've got like two or three beats, and I'm real confident in those beats. So I play those, and I can kind of showboat a little bit. People are like, oh, he, he can play the drums. It's the same thing with the harmonica <laughs> and the piano. I'm what one, is it? I'm a one-trick pony. <laughs> that's what it is, man. That's what it is. So that's what it is. Let's, uh, let's transition a little bit and talk uh, more about the, the, the worship stuff. But in years past, there's always been this war. Like you hear about the worship war and what that looks like. And um, Are those still going on? You know, I, I think it's just kind of morphed into other topics about worship, the, the worship war, like hymns or praise courses. I remember back in the day when it was praise courses. So it was like, mm. you know, we'd sing stuff at church like it only takes a spark to get a fire going, but soon all those around will warm up to its glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it. This is where maybe the years that separate us. Oh, John. Okay. <laughs> my, my That's, fair. That's fair. That's fair. Then I remember singing like songs like Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. Mm, yeah. I was Love in a, like a little ensemble when I was in high school at my church, and we used to sing songs like that. Remember and when Sonic Flood released their version of that? Sonic it was awesome. Flood. I, I heard them at a D-Now. They were leading worship at our D-Now, and they sang... Uh, it wasn't that song. It was Open the Eyes of My Heart. I looked mm. at my watch. I think we were going on like 17 minutes. One song. And in my mind, I was like, I see why people are so mad. Because <laughs> I was angry. I was like, hey, bro, you're doing like I wasn't a- part of the war, but now I am. Yeah, yeah. It's like a 20-minute song set, but you've only done one song so far. <laughs> like, do something else. Do something else. So, yeah. See that. But for a long time, man, like when I was coming up through high school and stuff, it was like, People my age, they wanted praise courses because the, the hymns felt weird.
weird and old and outdated and stuff like that. And it wasn't until probably in the past 20 years, 15 years that I've begun to look at hymns and think, oh man, they're so rich. Like they're the, the lyrics that we're singing um, are so strong and so good. And, and it really wasn't because I looked at hymns um, in, in that way. It was, more so that the praise courses were just weak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd, I'd go to sing a song and try to add a praise course. And, it's, and after I sing it, I'm like, what, what did I just, I, I don't even know what I just said. Like, mm-hmm. I said nothing, you know. And then you kind of look at the hymns and think, man, they're so rich. So I get it. You know, probably the music style was um, better, I guess, for a younger crowd. But then I, I remember going through this time where the church would do like, hymns with drums mm. and a guitar and then like a random bassoon or trombone right. or whatever, you know, and it kind of made it really weird. Did you have any experiences like that? Uh, some, yeah. I, I feel like, though, churches back then, because I think maybe the height of the worship wars was maybe like in the 90s mm-hmm. or something, maybe early 2000s. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I feel like churches probably made it worse. Because that's back mm. when churches started doing stuff like, hey, come at 8 for our contemporary service. Oh, yeah, good call. And then come at yeah. 11, mm. which I always thought was weird because it's like if you're just going to make a big generalization mm. and you think, well, younger people, contemporary music, like the younger people aren't the ones that are going to wake up at 8 o'clock to be that's there true. for the 8 that's o'clock true. service. Yeah. So I always thought it was weird. Mm. But I, I, churches, when you do that, it's like you're pitting them against each other, mm. you know? Yeah. So... Like, hey, get out of here with your drums. Right. Let me have my organ back kind yeah. of thing. And then it was even weird because, like, I remember um, I, I was at a church where they did that, and, and the pastor would wear, like, like, he would take his tie off. Like, he'd wear a suit or whatever, but he'd take his tie off and, like, put a T-shirt on, you know? So he had, like, the like a long-sleeve Oxford shirt with, like, a, a T-shirt over it, you know, that said, I don't know, dare to keep kids off drugs or something or you know something really weird like a dc talk t-shirt or something it's just like what are you doing it's terrible you know and then like when the older crowd gets there he you know dresses back up and stuff and it was just like weird yeah you know and so i i feel like the you're right the church didn't really help with that so it wasn't really just the music that was kind of working against that i think the whole church mindset was just working against it it was it was really really weird um but now nowadays i i feel like um, you know, I mean, there's so many people who have rewritten hymns or uh, added extra verses or added like an extra chorus or whatever. I know Tomlin's kind of the king of doing that. Um, he's starting to get a reputation. I mean, he he kind of is. He kind of is. Although he's kind of he's kind of fading a little bit. Like, Babylon B even called him out for that. I think. Really? Oh wow! I like the Babylon B. They're funny. They are funny. They put out a lot of stuff. Though. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. But Tomlin, I feel like, is kind of. Not fading off or anything. I, I think he's still a tremendous uh, songwriter. Did you like? He's like the most sung artist in the history of music, like in the world. Did you know that? I did not know that. Uh, I read it on the internet, so it's got to be true. It's got to be true. It's Abraham be true. Lincoln said that. Abraham Lincoln quoted. He was quoted. Yes, yes. Chris Tomlin is the most sung artist in the history of the world. I heard that, and I was like, you know, that's not. That's probably not far off. I mean, what, there's 50,000 Southern Baptist churches right, in the country, probably, something like that, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. And, I mean, they all sing Tomlin songs, probably. 
Not all, but a lot of them. That's just Southern Baptist churches. Right, yeah, yeah. That's not, you know, other denominations and, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I, mm. I, could, I could see that as possible. Man. Um, so anyway, so, yeah, there's always been that, that weird mix. You know, hymns were, for me, they were just hard to sing, hard to understand. I didn't understand the language or whatever. But, you know, part of our goal is worship pastors. We're, I mean, we want our people to sing. We need our people to sing. If uh, you come to church and you hear everyone else participating in worship and you're not, that's kind of weird. Like, we, we want people to sing and feel like that they can in church. What, what, are, what are some of, the, some of the goals you have when you're leading in worship or when you're preparing a worship service? What are, what are some of the things that you think through? Mm. Well, even just to go back to what you were saying about hymns, um, you know, hymns— what they say is so rich and so helpful. The other thing about hymns is they've they've stood the test of time, mm-hmm. which that's one of the problems with new music. And as I'm thinking through introducing new songs, I'm always just a little careful of introducing a song that's like brand new. Mm-hmm. I usually want to wait just at least a little bit right. to see... Like, you know, is this song really going to last? Mm-hmm. Because th- that's the thing. There might be this awesome song, uh, and, you know, a year from now, like, nobody's talking about it. Right. It's been forgotten. Right. And so hymns, whether you feel like you like hymns or don't like hymns or whatever, like hymns have stood the test of time. Like, right. there's a reason why there's a hymnal with songs that were written, you know, 50, 100, or a couple hundred years ago. Right. Because people like singing them. Well, even just to speak to that, uh, you know, we, we sing at funerals and stuff like that. And, I mean, no one's asking me to sing um, any, anything modern. They're always asking me to sing older hymns. Well, and I always ask myself, well, well why is that? Well, it's because um, the lyrics are rich and they, they connect with them. And it's, um, it's meant something to them. It's more than just a uh, quick, temporary kind of emotional high that sometimes some of the new music is, you know. Um, it's the most that, modern song that I've ever been asked, like, consistently to sing at a funeral is In Christ Alone, which is a hymn. That's right. <laughs> yeah, probably the most modern song. Well, I, I was asked to sing uh, Go Rest High on, on the Mountain. Mm, I've, I've been asked to sing that, too. You, 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 you tell them no? Let's just say I haven't sung it. Oh, <laughs> Well, I, I sang it a couple times, of course. I'm no Vince Gill. Um, but uh yeah, so I, I probably I probably won't sing it anymore. It was just mm-hmm. weird. I, it was really weird. It it is weird. Anyway, let's go back to uh, yeah, yeah. song selection, stuff like that, as you as you think through a worship service. Yeah. So when I think through planning a worship service, I start with whatever the pastor's gonna be preaching mm-hmm. that day and read through the passage and just try to spend a few minutes thinking, okay. Are there any songs that that speak to this? Is there something that I can pull out and and connect with a song? Mm-hmm. So start thinking uh, that way. And the other thing is, I I want our worship services to tell a, a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's different ways that people think about that, but basically just starting with a song that that praises God for some aspect of his character, who he is, what he's done, something that, that praises God. Um, then I, 
I want people to to sing a song that talks about our sin. And, you know, we talk about the cross. Well, why was the cross necessary? What did Jesus do? So who God is, what the problem is, and grace, where grace comes in, where the cross comes into play. Uh, so I definitely want to make sure those things are clear. And then even coming out of that, well, what's our response mm-hmm. to this, which which should be worship. It should be praise um, and thanksgiving. So just in a real general sense, that's kind of how I like to think about it. That's good. That's good. So now let's let's move away from that side and kind of go to the to a, a practical side like uh as far as um you know picking the right key for a song or uh, i mean this is very practical obviously if you if you go to like a passion conference they're singing everything in a key that's just so incredibly high i think part of it is is because you have to really go after it to sing some of these notes and it just sounds better if you got 50,000 people really going after it to a worship song, you know, what I mean? so I think uh, I don't know what just happened. I had some sort of a aneurysm. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, so you know, when the key is really high, then everyone really gets after it singing, and it just sounds more full and better and stuff like that. But then when you you know you come back to your church and you try to lead that same song in that same key, and people are just like, "Hey, bro, you're by yourself because mm-hmm. you're just way too high. I can't sing this with you." Yep. Your average person in the crowd is not gonna be able to sing. So you know, we have to. Be mindful of, again, one of our goals as worship leaders is wanting people to sing with us. Mm-hmm. So if it's too high, then, you know, that, that's that's one of the things I, I consider. You know, I consider the key. Oftentimes I'll bring the key down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what about even like the, like the like lengthy songs, songs that are really long or really wordy? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, you can lose people. We, we had a guy come in and talk to us about that, you know, um, from – Jacksonville, and the, the the guy was saying something about uh, some of the songs that he listens to. It's like, why do you have to say so many words to get this one little point out? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you remember that yeah. they were talking about that, and that was a good point. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, here you are talking about all this stuff of God, and you use thirty words, but you could have used maybe five or six, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. and just repeat those, yeah. you know, whatever. So it's just a, kind of a different preference, I guess, of style or whatever. But um, that was very interesting. Um, and the key thing is is interesting. A song that we both do, we just introduced it. You've been doing it for several weeks, I guess, is uh, Is He Worthy? Oh, yeah. So I was trying to just listen. I always like to hear what different people do with a song and just see, try to get ideas. And so we do that song in C. Is that what, yeah. what you do it in? Uh, no, your your voice is higher than mine, John. You're like a you're like a tenor. I'm a I'm a baritone. Best, so, so we do it lower. Is this your way of saying you don't remember what key you play? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, I think well, we do it in B flat. All that to say, mm-hmm. I had never heard Tomlin's version, which for oh, a lot okay. of people that was probably their first introduction right. to that song. That makes sense. Yeah, Andrew Peterson was mine. He's the guy who wrote it. But I mean, a lot of people have done it now. Shane and Shane, Andrew mm-hmm. Peterson, Tomlin. We do Shane and Shane. Yeah. Okay. So I listened to Tomlin's version. You know what key he does that song in? What? E flat. That's pretty high. Super high. Like really high. But he's definitely a tenor. I mean, he's... Well, he's a super tenor. But it's a good example of what you're talking about. Right. If we were to try to do that song, even if me or someone else could sing it well Mm -hmm. in E flat, 
It just wouldn't be good. No one else is singing with you. No. They're just watching you at that it point. It would be, yeah. It Which would be bad. bad. What were we talking about? Lengthy songs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know, but I did hear your version of um, that song, and here's my problem. I listened to you sing it, and we, like, say some phrases differently, like mm. the, the wording or timing, and now your version is stuck in my head. Oh, no. Yeah, and we're going to sing that again soon. So I got to reprogram. I got to get out of your your version of it and get back to the version that we sing, or I'm going to be really messed up. <laughs> anyway, go go ahead. Um, lengthy songs. Yeah. And I think when you say lengthy songs, you're talking about hymns, well, or at yeah. least songs like hymns. Sure. Um, and I think in a in a worship service, it's good to have both. So I think when we're... We're talking about a meal. You know, you can't you can't just have steak with your steak with your steak and then have right. steak after the steak. Right. But at the same time, you Although can't. You, you could. Well, you could. But the average person. <laughs> right. But at the same time, you can't have a chocolate chip cookie with your pumpkin pie, right. with your ice cream. Right. And so I think there's got to be room for both. That's good. It's good for us to sing uh, repeated lyrics to really just kind of focus and meditate on something. Mm-hmm. We're singing about God. It's good for us to be reminded right. that even the Psalms do that a lot. That's good. Which is one of my problems with people who don't like repetition. It's like, have you not read the Psalms? Right, there's right. a lot of repetition right. in the Psalms. Uh, but it's also good for us to to sing songs that deepen our understanding. Mm-hmm. Too. So That's I think, good. I think we think both ways. That's good. Um, what about like, a, like, are you ever like spontaneous in worship, you know, that's kind of like this thing. Like mm. if you go to YouTube and click on an artist or whatever and you watch them live, they'll have like 10 videos of them doing spontaneous worship. What? What's the? Have you ever had a spontaneous moment in worship? As a leader? Yeah. Well, see, you know, in our context, it's just really hard to be yeah, spontaneous. That's true. The, the more people that are on stage, I think the more difficult it sure. is. Um, so a, a lot of times... If I were to tell one of our secrets, I think we do like planned spontaneity. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. To say like, hey, look, if if we do something here, mm-hmm. this is what we're gonna do. Right. That's good. That's good. I, I think that's how most of it is. It probably I don't know is. that it's truly spontaneous. Although several weeks back, we were leading a song, Revelation song, one of my favorite songs. Mm. Leading the song, Susie's singing it up here, and I'm looking out in the crowd and I see I see this lady and she's she's doing sign language to the to the chorus. And it was just it was just really cool. It was really different and really cool. And in my mind I was like, call her up on stage. And so I don't know I don't know what I was thinking, but I was like, I'm about to call her up on stage and get her to stand right here and do that sign language. Cause I just thought it was really unique, you know, and we're not we don't do that often mm-hmm. or really at all. Ever. So I was like, I'm about to call her up. So we finished the chorus. We get to the second verse, and I'm literally stopping. I'm picking my hand up to point at her, and all of a sudden, uh, Susie was singing the second verse, and she didn't know the verses. And so uh, the lady doing the sign language, she didn't know the verses. She only knew the chorus. And so I was like, man, if I had called her up here, it would have been, like, really awkward. That would have been so good. And um, and so, yeah. I think that would have been on Worship Fails. Um, probably, probably. But afterwards, I, I found her in the lobby, and I was like, hey, let me tell you what I almost did. I was like, this is, I, 
it was just a cool moment. She's never going to do sign language again. Well, she looked at me and she was like, yeah, no, I didn't know the second verse, but I would have made something up. <laughs> and I was like, no, you can't make up sign language. Like, you could offend someone by saying something in sign language that you don't know what you're saying. Like, that could have been really bad. You know, whatever. Uh, but she's going to join the choir. So, oh, really? Yeah. So that's awesome. That's kind of cool. Is she going to do sign language from the choir? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Hmm. That'd be weird if she only did a portion and didn't do that the rest of weird. it. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really weird. So that, that was my spontaneous, spontaneous moment. But so anyway, that so didn't happen. Yeah, that didn't happen. Right, spontaneous in my mind. But John, we're almost out of time. But before we go, I wanted to talk about um, our Christmas nights of worship. So, at the Mallard Creek campus have a night of worship coming up on Sunday, um, the 8th, 5 o'clock. Um, and we've been doing what's called a door. We've been doing this now for probably 9, 10 years maybe, something like that. Um, so here at the Mallard Creek campus, everyone's welcome. Everyone's invited to come to it. Um, and then the following week, why don't you tell us just a, a couple of details about um, the night of worship at Maine. Yeah, so it's December 15th. Harris. <laughs> We're still getting used to that. Yeah, I know, right? Also at 5 o'clock. Okay. And, uh, yeah, this is the 10th one that I've planned. Wow. Crazy. And it's always a powerful night of worship. Man, it's always, always so much fun mm-hmm. to plan and prepare for. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of preparation. But, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Good. Yep, there's tons of people involved. And um, it's always, always a good night at, at both campuses um, of worship, really, truly focusing on the Lord. So um, it's not a not a big performance based kind of thing it's it's real it's real worship and, and it's it's really awesome john um you're a good friend to me we've been friends for a long time man it's been awesome to just be able to chat for a little while about this kind of stuff uh, worship and just getting, having our people get to know you a little bit better yeah. and so this has been really cool so we'll definitely have you back but thanks for being here today thanks man i uh, appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the grove podcast we'll see you soon thanks